Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Previously on Chaotic Normal, the aristocrats arrived aboard the Naughty Dreams to the Third Wizard, an island in the Shattered Isles. There, they discovered some ruins that were infested by goblins and delved their way inside. They encountered some traps, Zelnern killed a rat, and they stumbled upon a kobold by the name of Meepo, who was helpless and decided to help him out. With Meepo's help and his shouting of the tickle corn, the aristocrats encountered the Goblin Queen and managed to win her trust somewhat. She directed them further into the ruins where they might find the vampire fruit they are searching for. They also encountered Dern, a hobgoblin captain, and what remains of his crew. They dispatched of them quickly and are now about to delve further into the ruins. Let us find out what happens on Chaotic Normal, The Shattered Isles. this pit that descends another 80 feet underground well below sea level and the stench of uh low tide and seaweed and uh basically just dying things down there radiates up and strikes against you it is not the smell of the open free sea it is the smell of death of uh, claustrophobia it is the smell of the ocean being forced and contained uh to those of you who might be religious it smells like as if uh, the goddess of the sea herself, Melora, was being shackled beneath your feet. You look up and uh, you, just as Dern, the uh, hobgoblin pirate who's now who was commanding the Lizardiri, but under threat of uh, death, has now agreed to join you all uh, in regaining his honor by uh, going against this necromancer. This necromancer, the outcast Belic, uh, who's apparently been giving him orders and bossing him around and controlling him for some time. You don't have a strong relationship with this hobgoblin, considering your connection to him so far is killing all of his friends and then threatening him with death if he doesn't help. So you'd be wise not to turn your back on him, but you also can probably count on his support, as he did already tell you that uh, 
while you have his support, he's certain you wouldn't gain the support of his lieutenant, a bugbear uh, who is a master animal tamer and uh, is known to keep several alligators and likes putting human meat in gumbo. Uh, with that in mind, you look down into this pit that reeks of um, the reeks of death and decay, and you can't help but wonder if uh, the, where the bugbear's at down there getting ready to put you in a gumbo as soon as you come down. Worse is the matter of the outcast Bellic, who Dern, uh, in his recap that he, is he telling you, as he's telling you this, uh, reminds you that he was once a druid who, uh, from your land, from Providence, who apparently was kicked out for reasons that Dern doesn't know, uh, but Belak's been tending the Golthias tree, this vampire tree, and has been the one making Dern and the goblins distribute the seeds these last 12 years, uh, distribute the seeds of that Golthias tree from its fruit, uh, with some nefarious intent, no doubt. And so you find yourself at that precipice looking down. It is an 80-foot shaft, but it is pretty easy to climb down, if you'd like, from the black and white vines that crawl out of the shaft and over the floor here. Uh, and a purple light also radiates from down below, not enough to get a clean uh, ability to see, but you can tell it's more like natural bioluminescence from like mold or fungus on the walls. With that in mind, Dern asks, how do you even propose to get down there, huh? Well, it seems a simple act of just climbing down, doesn't it? Is that how everyone else got down? Well, do we want to see if it's like poison first? If they I mean there's a vampire tree down there, should probably be a little careful, right? It's probably called a vampire tree because it looks like a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> how does a tree look like a vampire? Has fangs. It's got pale skin and sharp fangs and goes, I will suck your blood. That just sounds like a vampire. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. So would you not call that tree a vampire tree? (laughs) Check on the mate. Vampire, not a tree. Dern, the pirate, kind of shakes his head and says, I've never gone down there myself. I send the goblins down. It's too risky of a climb. Any one of those vines breaks, you're toppling all the way down and gonna die and drown in the mud. Besides, Bellic's creations haunt down below. Ugh. Terrified. Er, terrified to get near those things. The only time I've sent anyone down safely, well, when the goblins go down, some of the times they plummet and die and not really concerned about that. But I had to get those adventurers down there. After the after my goblins captured them, as I told you, uh, uh, Belek demanded the, them as hostages, so knocked them out good and had to lower them down. He pulls out some rope from the wall, old and ratty, and says, We rigged up a bit of a pulley system to lower them down safely into the mud. It worked for them, and then kind of proffers it forward. Might work for you all. I mean, we have our own rope. I don't quite trust that rope. Nor do I really trust you yet, either. Yeah, let's. Uh, we can use a pulley system, but let's maybe use some fresher-looking rope. Uh, Dern doesn't seem offended by your mistrust. It <laughs> makes perfect sense. Uh, so I'm very, very happy. So it doesn't take long for you to start rigging up a bit of rope together. You don't have anything great to rig it against. The most sturdy structure in here is either uh, Dern stone, uh, like uh, what's 
throne uh, or his chest, but he clearly is hoarding his chest from you and won't let you take his treasure chest. Um, you could maybe tie the rope to one of the iron torch sconces on the wall, but you're not likely to do that without it break. You can, you can tell these are kind of old and uh, would break if you tried to tie off to that. So your best bet is to have people up top holding the rope and lowering it down while the other as basically a belay line meant to catch somebody if case they fall. That does mean whoever goes last will need to climb down unassisted by rope. Hey, uh, just saying I could do what I did back on the island, you know, last month. I, I oh, make us fall, fall slowly. Oh, we can do that. Do we have a way to get back up? I think that's more of our issue. We'd have to uh, hook up a rope to get topside again. Well, you you can do that on multiple people, yes? Yes. So, I mean, Zelnarn, you are obviously the strongest of us. If you and Phil want to stay up here and anchor the rope while the three of us climb down, and then the two of you feather fall down after that, um, and then, you know, find some way to anchor it, uh, whether a big rock or tying it to something. That's for you to figure out. We can tie it around me and I'll lay down. No, but you're not <laughs> staying up here. <laughs> and then I thought we need to take the rope with us, right? But we need rope to get back up. So we need the rope to stay up here. I see. I see. That was a good initiative. It's not a one-way trip, but at least I hope not. So again, there doesn't seem to be anything up here that is sturdy enough to anchor the rope for any of your weight. Well, um, you know, what if we went and... Uh, is anyone opposed to going and checking on, you know, Meepo's, Meepo's pet? And maybe there's something in there that we could use as leverage? Or maybe even Gobbo Town if we snuck in there? Or is that too much work? Dern sort of shakes his head and says, you got by with a bit of a, an ambush here. And he gestures about his uh, office and the corpses of his men. You go into Gobbleville, you're going to be slaughtered. They'll sound the alarm and the whole, the whole of the lizard teary will come pouring in. Now, I don't mind it if you all die, but I don't want myself getting caught in the crossfire. That uh, that is fair. It's thoughtful. Uh, do we have any way of magically fixing? Celeste, I don't know if you know how to... Uh... Can we send someone just climbing back up after? You can tell that the vines seem like they'd make a solid climb, but what if like they're, they end up breaking halfway up? There'd basically no fail-safe if you toppled halfway up is the only concern. So a competent climber could probably get their way up. Anyone that's proficient in strength athletics, I mean. Yeah, and we just all, all come up with the rope on our way back. Is any of us yeah. a decent climber? So we don't have to affect the tiny... I'll hold it and feather fall and then climb up. You know, maybe we're, we're just thinking we're thinking this through too much. It, it'll figure itself out, I'm sure. Yeah, Zeldon, hold the rope. I'm going to rappel down. <laughs> I, uh... 
All right, so it sounds like there's still mixed plans. So Rubert is going to rappel <laughs> down, and then everyone else is going to jump down and gain the benefit of Featherfall, or only some of you are going to gain the benefit of Featherfall, and some of you are going to chance climbing. What's happening? Oh yeah, we could have Featherfall down. Featherfall works on five uh, NPC or five creatures, and there are six, no, seven NPCs now in your party, including Dern and Meepo. All right, so someone climbed down the rope. Yeah, I'll rappel down, make sure it's safe down there. Am I going slow enough for you all? Do you all understand? (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Sunday. All right, I'll rappel down too. But no, you need the feather full of some people. (laughs) Oh, oh. (laughs) Zelda, could you give me the plan one more time? Yes. Oh, my God. Absolutely. (laughs) I tie this rope around myself like this. And then, and then two people climb down the rope, and then we all feather fall down together. All right, I got it. Wait, Zelner, I'm sorry, I was not listening. What, what was the plan? Stop. No problem at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'd rather, That's I'd rather it. risk it. I think. All right, I'm. Uh, yeah, uh, Rubert's going to go down first. <laughs> I flip over a card from my Taroka deck to do a reading and pull out the wizard and start explaining it to Bear as I cast Guidance and how we're going down to into a magical place so he could use all the help he could get. Thank you. Well, so all right. climbing down? Um, so it sounds like Rubert is climbing down first. Uh, and then are you waiting till Rubert touches the bottom to have the next person go? Sure. Yes. All right, uh, so Rubert, uh, you start climbing your way down. Uh, it's not super hard to do. I'm going to need a strength athletics check from you as you go. And you do feel the cushion of the rope around you. Cushion, I should say. If you fall, then that rope pulls. It's still going to bruise your insides from a, like being jolted. Uh, and the others are going to get the chance to stop you from falling. It'll be a relatively easy uh, save from them. But uh, you're risking the... There's a slight risk of you plummeting 80 feet to your death here. All right. Athletics check? Yeah. Right. 16 plus 2 plus 1. So 19. So uh, you do a very easy job of it. You're basically just like, repelling off the wall, pushing down. You can hear above they're kind of struggling to keep the rope as you're pulling it too fast. So occasionally you stop to grab hold of the vines, shuffling your way down, waiting for a bit of slack, and then you go back to rappelling downwards and downwards. Uh, you had to knot two ropes together because you normally your ropes are only 50 mm-hmm. feet. And this is an 80 foot drop. So there is a bit of a hiccup when that rope, like the knot kind of slides over the edge and gets caught and tangled in the rope, uh, the roots. Rubert, you feel a bit of a tug from up above and worry, yeah. oh crap, is the uh, rope about to break at about the 40 foot above the ground mark? Uh, but then the rope starts going again as they undo the, uh, tangle and you descend farther and farther towards the bottom and Robert, i assume i've got a dagger in my teeth too as i'm climbing down and i assume you're kind of like trying to one hand climb and you've got a torch in the other or are you descending into darkness all right uh you descend down there the torch uh shining out around being your only source of light as you descend into the depths now Robert, you're 80 feet down beneath everybody um and you descend into the depths of the uh you sound into the depths of the twilight grove uh, as you enter in here 
the luminescent fungus sheds violet light all about you, clinging to the walls and ceiling of this wide cavern. The air is damp, chilly, and reeks of uh, seaweed, rot, and salt, and redolent with the odors of loam and decay. The ground at your feet is not quite ground. In fact, as you sink down into it, it is a muddy silt uh, with a little bit of water sitting on top of it. Your feet squelch loudly down into it, and you can see poking up in it here and there the remains of fish or uh, seaweed uh, covering the floor, suggesting that when the tides uh, come in, they managed to pour down into this cave to some degree, but not fill it entirely. You hear somewhere in the distance the whining of a beast uh, whimpering <laughs> off uh, through a door on the far side of the wall, but the room is really hard to make out anything of note. It's not until your feet kind of squelch into the ground that you see a few of those scraps of bones starting to shift, a few of those clumps of seaweed starting to roll, and then you see a pair of skeletons and a pair of twisted-looking shrubs rising up from the mud and advancing towards you. You suddenly find yourself surrounded by two skeletons in tattered robes, clutching uh, broken short swords in their hands, uh, and then a pair of what look like wicked little plants, twisted shrubs with almost needle-like... Uh, appendages and uh, approximating the shape of a man as they pull themselves out of the ground uh Rubert, you are uh you're you're about to risk some combat with the rest of your friends 80 feet above you so we're gonna go ahead and go in initiative order here Rubert, uh what do you do oh fuck uh that looks really hard are you okay down there <laughs> uh yeah there's some skeletons and some Moving shrubs. Get down here quickly. Oh, uh, maybe we'll Climb stay up, up here. Climb back up. Good luck, Captain. <laughs> oh, is this the mutiny? Oh, no. <laughs> I knew it. On the bright side, there's always Dern for you to play as your new character. That's uh, true. <laughs> or Meepo. It's really your call. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, shoot. Yeah, I'm gonna go up to the shambling mound and attack it. Uh, you move over towards one of these things, this small twisted amalgamation of a man. It's not quite a uh, hulking enough lump of seaweed to be a shambling, true shambling oh. mound okay. to your uh, good fortune. But uh, you move towards it and uh, you go to attack it. Yeah, I take out my rapier, go to pierce it. All right, you stab into the uh, this blighted twig in front of you uh, make, an, make your attack roll actually no I'm going to use my scimitar alright use that attack roll uh, 16 plus 5 21 21 um, you hit it sorry I okay. bonus stats. yeah your blade easily stabs through it the bark is hard but not so hard as that um, and in fact I need everyone other than Robert to roll initiative for me real quick Well, yeah, uh, nine slashing damage to it. Nine slashing damage. Um, actually, uh, and then I'm going to use a blade flourish. What does that do? Uh, it's one of my uh, College of Swords abilities. Um, yeah, regardless, sorry, you stab at it for nine damage without having to even use your flourish. The thing topples back and is destroyed. Okay. 
And you hear a haunted, like, sound echoing through the halls, having killed this uh, twig blight. Um, and you turn, though, you still see there's another one of these twig blights and a couple skeletons coming towards you. I don't know if their blade flourishes do, but if you'd like to use one, you still can. Yeah, all right. Then I'll throw a dagger at the nearest, actually, at the other twig blight. All right, uh, dagger at the other twig blight. So you turn, hurling, and it's only it's pretty close to you. Uh, make your attack roll. Yeah, it's about 20 feet away. Ooh, that one is a crit miss. The uh, the dagger cuts with such impressive speed. You hear the twang and snap as the rope is severed from your waist. Uh, those of you up above feel a sudden jerk as the uh, weight of Ruber is no longer holding the rope. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Ruber, are you finished? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I, what is everyone else's initiative? Can I hit from 16, Celeste? Yeah. And what about Jules? 18. Wow. And what about uh, what about Zelnern? One. One. And what about Phil? 17. Wow. There's some spread there. 18, 17, 16, 1. Okay, I was coming down last anyways. All right. And then, uh, so at that point, uh, Jules, you're up above. Uh, you have no idea what's going down there. You can't even see Ruber down in the darkest depths. Uh, you can tell he's in danger. He's 80 feet below. You've just had the rope jerk back, signaling that he's been ripped off of the rope, eaten alive. Who knows? What do you do? I am going to ready in action to jump into the hole when Phil casts Featherfall. Alright, so you ready yourself to basically, when Phil jumps into the hole, you'll jump in as well. And uh, ideally drift down with him. Alright, and then it is Phil. What do you do? So, I know there's a limit on the amount of people we can feather fall down, but to, like, circumvent that, can I pick up Meepo and carry him after I cast it? So, like, he's... I mean, he's a kobold, right? Is that... Yeah, so he's not particularly heavy. Uh, Oh, is that... Yeah, I'd say that you could hold him. He's going to be plumbing you. I'm going to make sure you still need a deck save to uh, when you hit the ground because he's distorting your weight and your magic's only able to limit some. Okay, I'll, I'll gamble on that. Um... All right, you snatch up Meepo off where he's already starting to lean back onto the ground. You snatch him up from it and get ready to jump. Yeah, and I just cast it on all of us so we can all just... Alright, so you jump, and uh, Jules jumps as well, and you target yourself, Celeste, Jules... Uh, Dern and Zelnern? Yeah. Alright, and you and Meepo descend down. Meepo screams as you descend at a rate slightly faster because Meepo's flailing about in your arms. Jules descending up above, and uh, as you descend towards the ground, it actually takes you more than a round to get there because it's an 80 foot deep pit. And so the two of you uh, descend 60 feet. Um, sorry, Meepo, Jules, and. Uh, Phil descends 60 feet towards the ground, putting them 20 feet above. You are now in the circle of light that uh, is created by Ruber, or at least the sphere of light that's created by Ruber's um, torch, but you can't see into the room really as everything is caught up by the uh, everything is caught up by the uh, walls of the uh, shaft around you. Um, and at that point, it's then Celeste. What do you do? You now, for this, no, for the next minute, have the uh, a magic swirling about you from Phil shooting you with feathers or whatever he did. Uh, that's making it to where you, if you fall, you can't fall at a rate more than sixty feet per round. Oh, so I'm just like falling this round. Uh, you, nothing's happened yet. You're still standing on the precipice. You can jump in if you want. 
Oh, then yeah, I jump. All right, uh, Celeste jumps and joins you as well, also reaching that point about 20 feet up in the shaft, able to see where Rubert is uh, fighting on the ground, but not able to see that which he's yet fighting. Um, and then, uh, so that was uh, Celeste, your... M- All right, so that's Phil and Celeste. You've actually only used your uh, move and reaction. Phil, did you have any action you want to take, even though you can't see any enemy? Uh, I have my little protector cannon. I want to use my bonus action to refresh him. Is okay. That okay. Yeah, and yeah. can that thing follow you down an 80-foot shaft? Well, I guess that would be... So it's like a spider, and I can read the verbiage, but it can, like, crawl on people and, like, be in the palm of someone's hand. Yeah, if you make it tiny, you can carry it. That's super cool. So is that the uh, Battlesmith feature, or is that Artillerist? What you... Artillerist. Artillerist. That's super cool. Um, do you want to do like a higher low like low it falls off on the way down or something no I mean if it's uh, what's it's move speed uh, sorry I've never seen this thing before I have to go to my feet so I'm still not too familiar with it I'm well, sorry and Meepo was carrying it Mm-hmm. that's true Meepo was carrying it uh, so 60 it feet yeah Meepo was carrying it so it came with you in the form of Meepo holding onto it uh, so it's with you as well. So you want to have use your bonus action to refresh it? Yeah, I'll refresh it once. And gives 12 bonus HP to whoever's near me. Within 10 feet. 12. Oh, wow. You rolled an 8. Solid. Um, so this is going to be everyone except for Rubert and Zell Nern is going to get this ten, uh, this 12 temp. Awesome. Then I'll have my turn. I'm going to refresh it again, I guess, when I'm near you guys. All right. And then... Uh, everyone gains that gets up to 12 temp hp uh and if so if you had 10 or whatever you had before it goes away it gets replaced with 12 um and you drift down towards the ground and that's it phil yeah all right celeste so you've jumped in you've drifted 20 or 60 feet down you realize you won't take damage when you hit the ground but you're still 25 feet above the ground you can't see any enemies but you can see rubert he's just killed some blighted twig thing uh what do you do uh, can I ready an action so as soon as I land, I can thorn whip whatever enemy I see first? Uh, yes, yeah, cool. Uh, that's a good call. You uh, so you start nodding out like the thorns, like grabbing at the vines from the wall, ready to hit whoever you see first. That's a really cool idea. And then if you're finished, Celeste. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, then the twig blight, the remaining one, shuffles forward towards. Uh, yeah, shuffles forward towards. Uh, Rubert, as it steps into that uh, shaft beneath you, though, Rubert, you see it coming for you, shambling across the ground in the, the water and muck, its uh, hands held out, ready to stab into you, only to have vines suddenly lash down around it as Ze- uh, Celeste uh, snaps out her thorn whip. Celeste, make an attack roll against this twig oh, light. I landed. You haven't landed yet, but it oh. came into uh, view beneath you because uh, it entered the light, the shaft beneath you. I got 13. Just barely, your vines Ooh. wrap about it and yank the thing off the ground. Roll damage. Oops. Got a three. The twig uh, blight is severely damaged, but not destroyed. It finish- finishes its way, shuffling towards Rubert. And Rubert, it comes against you, and its its branch or bramble-like claws rake against you for 15 to hit. Uh, that's a hit. Uh, you get, uh, grit your teeth as you take three piercing damage, uh, and I, I believe you've already lost all your temp HP in the fight against Dern, am I correct? Uh, I don't think I took a hit. Really? All right. So then uh, you uh, have lost nothing, and now you lose three temp HP. And I'm then still if, feeling great. 
Uh, up above, Dern looks, he sees everyone's jumped in, sees that Zell Nern is now protected by uh, this uh, feather fall, so he won't take damage if he falls. And uh, Dern suddenly realizes the intimidation that was on him before is no longer active. Uh, well, it's active, he's still fr- frightened if you're there, but he sees you have no way to immediately get towards him. So he stalls for a turn rather than jumping in. The rogue skeletons uh, move on move on uh, Rubert, who's the only one visible in the shaft. And they move on Rubert, uh, their short swords drawn as they come against him. Um, and Rubert, I need... Or they swing against you, these skeletons, with their shattered short swords cut into you for 16 to hit and 19 to hit. Sorry, what was the first one? 16. Oh, both are hits. Uh, you, feeling fine after the uh, twig blight's raking cuts, suddenly cry out as you take three and then ooh, six. Uh, another nine slashing damage total oh. as the skeletons cut against you. You find yourself surrounded by a twig blight and two skeletons, but you look up to see your friends fast approaching. Uh, and speaking of friends fast approaching, Meepo screams from up above as his action. Zelnern, <laughs> what do you do? You can't see what's going on. It's 80 feet below you. You see that uh, Dern, the hobgoblin, did not jump down when he had the chance to and seems to be stalling. You have, you're holding a broken rope in hand. What do you do? Dorn, you gotta come with me. I'm sorry. And I, uh, I, um, run over to him, or at least, you know, get moving pretty quick and <laughs> grab him before I jump off. All right, make a grapple against, uh, so it's strength athletics against Dern. He tries to fight this off with the strength athletics. meet. Ooh, he made a 19, so you just <laughs> barely managed to uh, grab a hold of him, and you drag him and yourself down. Dern cries out as he's pulled over the lip of the uh, well, and the two of you topple down at a remarkably slow pace towards the <laughs> ground, Dern grappling against you and trying to fight you off, uh, but the two of you drift incredibly comfortably towards the ground. Uh, Rubert, what do you do? You see that uh, Dern and Zelnern are fighting, not necessarily to the death or any such thing but like a clear tussle in the air and they're up all at the same height as celeste and uh phil who's holding meepo it's quite the spectacle up above you while you're fighting a twig blight and a pair of robed skeletons who have uh, surrounded you and backed you into a corner oh well it's i guess it's up to robert once again slash my scimitar <laughs> slash my scimitar into the vine blight all right, your blade, uh, your scimitar cuts down into it, likely shredding twig. Yeah, 13 to hit. Oh, just directly shreds it, and with it having already been torn apart by Celeste's uh, thorn whip, your blade, as long as it does one point of damage, cuts the thing in twain. Uh, yeah, I dealt uh, four damage. Yeah, you chunk into it. The wood, there's a there's a heavy wood chopping sound, and the thing topples to the ground, just a broken t- uh, shrub before you. There's two. St- there's still two skeletons with short, like broken short swords held high. Uh, Ribera, do you have anything else to use against them? Yes, I'm going to like flip my torch up in the air with my left hand, <clears throat> grab a, a dagger in my belt, and slash with my off hand before catching the torch again. <laughs> Rad as heck. Uh, I- all right, you stab that dagger into one of the skeletons, it sounds like? Yes. All right, make that attack roll. That one is 17 to hit. That cuts through the scraps of armor beneath its cloak. And I'm going to use, this time, I'm going to use one of my blade flourishes. 
I'm going to use a defensive flourish. So I'll add a bardic inspiration dice to my damage and increase my AC by that number. That's rad. Oh, I did uh, six, nine piercing damage to the skeleton. Uh, the skeleton doesn't seem to have any resistance to that or anything, but it doesn't topple the skeleton back. You shatter a few bones with the, uh, with the dagger, and you yank the blade out, but the skeleton's still standing. Alright, and my AC is increased by three. Heck yeah, you're defensive. Uh, Jules, you manage to drift all the way to the ground. Your, uh, your feet land, like, up to, like, knee height in murky, uh, salt, uh, salt water and mud and silt. As you land, you see the broken shrubs here in it, and you see the two skeletons, that you, one of which you're now adjacent to, uh, who have just, uh, or are hacking away at Rubert. And so you're next to one of them. One of them's maybe 10, 15 feet away from you. Both of them are backing Rubert into a corner, and you see the rest of your friends descending above you. What do you do, Jules? I think, so this is the first time I've uh, come into contact with the undead since my incident, and I think I notice there's some kind of intangible, like, connection I can feel where I can kind of, like, sense their, whatever it is that is keeping them here, and I, I look at the one that's been damaged, and I try to kind of yank on that thread and pull it apart, casting, um, the dead. Heck yeah. Well, I rolled a eight. So I think you told that dead. Um, you pulled on that thread and grabbing it, I imagine it's less like you're trying to destroy it, but more like you're reaching out and grabbing at that connection, that thread, and in so doing, you unravel the entire skeleton. Uh, roll your damage. I got four damage? It had four HP left, so you unravel that skeleton. It collapses to the ground. Only one robed skeleton remains. Um, Phil, what do you do? You drift to the ground. Your arms are full of a screaming Meepo as he flails about in your arms. And so you drift to the ground calmly. Meepo jerks out of your hands as you fall because he is still falling with all the force of somebody falling at full speed, but just being uh, held back in your hands. So he jerks out of your hands. I need a strength saving throw to uh, keep the uh, kobold from falling face first in the mud. Sorry, guys, I got a six. All right, Meepo. Uh, Meepo <laughs> cries out as he, uh, like, slams his head forward. Uh, he did not have any of the magical protections that uh, were given to the rest of you, so, but it, it wasn't as much of a fall. So Meepo's going to go ahead and take six, eight, uh, 12. Oh, God, 24. 26 bludgeoning damage as he hits the ground. For, uh, fortunately for you, you gave him a wealth of... Uh, what's it called, a wealth of temp HP that makes it to where that's not an outright kill for Meepo. Instead, Meepo is lying on the ground, cry or like unconscious and dying. Um, Phil, you've just dropped Meepo on the ground. He's dying in the mud. He's drowning as well because he's unconscious underwater. Uh, do you want to do anything to help little Meepo? <laughs> um, could I doff my shield and pick him up so he's not drowning in the same turn? Uh, so yeah, you can just yeah, do you, like, throw your shield off. Uh, it's free to throw your shield off. So you like toss that aside. Oh, you know what? And, not I said the wrong word. Don it. I want to equip it. Oh, I'm donning sorry. is an action. So if you're trying to do anything to actively uh, pull Meepo out of the water, that's going to definitely require an action to try and resuscitate him or stabilize him or anything like that. Ah, fine. Uh, no, would my character care about this guy? What do you guys think? I don't think he would. That's for you to decide, man. Yeah. yeah I, guess. <laughs> I don't get the compassionate 
vibe from Phil. Only yeah, Phil it's just me being addicted to, to sidekicks. So yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. <laughs> All right, so like, he slipped out of your hands and just whoops. Although yeah, you would owe like, you a life debt. Meepo, no, but really, I'm using my bonus action because I'm worried about my little spider thing. So that thing <laughs> crawls up out of the water into my hand. Um, okay. And then I'm gonna let that thing pulse one more time to try and give everyone here temp HP. Let me see what the new number is. The new number is. Ooh, I got twelve again. Um, All right, everyone uh, except for Zelnern and uh, Dern gets twelve a- uh, temp HP. And then they didn't already have it. Now I will equip my shield. All right, you put your shield on for safety. And then you and finish, Phil. can I interpose myself between um, Rubert and that skeleton? Uh, they're already, like, right next against each other. You'd have to, like, actively shove your way in there. So, unfortunately, there's no space for you to interpose yourself yet. Okay, I'll just get up in there, girl. All right, so you get up close there. Celeste, you drift to the ground. You just saw Meepo di- slip out of Phil's arms and uh, splash down, probably dying under the water. You, however, land adjacent to one of those skeletons, the one skeleton that basically everyone is adjacent to now. What do you do? Um, I'm going to step a little bit to the side, and then I'm going to try to thorn whip the skeleton away from me, so then as a, uh, I'll do my bonus action So next, thorn but... whip can only pull it towards you. It can't uh, oh. do any other direction of movement. Hmm. Okay. Well, then can I try to move like around, move through people, or is it too crowded? Uh, it's not so crowded. You could get uh, past friends. You would provoke an attack of opportunity by exiting the skeleton's reach, though. So basically, you've, you've landed right in amongst the skeleton. It's surrounded with people, but if you try to run, it's going to take that opportunity. Okay, and that's, are you... yeah, that's fine. I'm going to try to move up so I'm closer to Beepo. Well, the skeleton's blade cuts against you, the jagged, rusted sword, for 13 to hit. That is exactly my AC. So. Oof. Uh, you take five piercing damage as the rusted blade stabs into your shoulder. You escape the skeleton past Phil as he comes ra- shield raised to interpose himself, and you rush up to where Meepo is drowning unconscious underwater. Uh, yeah, I'm going to use my bonus action to cast Healing Word. All right, you cast Healing Word, and uh, however, as you do this, you know that you can tell that Meepo is drowning. He actually can't have his HP come up above oh. zero while he is drowning. Someone needs to get him out of that water in order to uh, let him gain any healing at all. I will try to do that, but I'm not very strong. Well, he is a 40-pound kobold, so it just requires your action to delve into the water. You yank him up, and then uh, how does your healing word manifest? Um, I look through my deck to kind of show that this isn't how he goes, and I start telling him what the stars are saying. As he's saying that, my, like, rune tattoos are lighting up just like a little bit which you can kind of see it kind of blends with the bioluminescent fungus nearby (laughs) yeah especially because you look up and as you say this you see that the bioluminescent fungus in this room it actually makes like stars across the ceiling small patterns of stars not to light up the room but enough to provide the speckled twilight sky above you and this is the light by which you see your cards as you hold this drowning dying kobold against the wall and tell him that this isn't how he dies don't worry meepo this is scary but this isn't the end to anyone not connected to divination through magic uh this just looks almost rude to do to the kobold as you tell him (laughs) as he's bleeding out that don't worry this isn't how you die um but what is the amount of healing Meepo gains? Seven. Seven. Nice. Wow. 
fully bolstered Meepo coughs uh, as he comes back to life uh, and sputters up water in front of you. He whimpers, uh, and you've saved Meepo. And Meepo gasps out, You saved Meepo! It saved Meepo. You can't die like that. Alright, uh, so you managed to save Meepo, and the Twig Blights are dead. Dern uh, fights alongside uh, Zelnern, and Dern tries to escape your grasp, Zelnern. He's making a uh, strength athletics, so you gotta beat his uh, three. Sorry, four. Oh, really? Fifteen. Uh, he, he cannot escape you, so he does not fall through your grasp. The single-robed skeleton uh, sees as Phil comes and presents himself forward, so it cuts against uh, Phil for 13 to hit. Phil? It's a miss. All right, he clings against your shield. Meepo gasps out and whimpers in pain. Zell Nern, you and uh, Dern uh, drift towards the ground, and you alight in the uh, watery mud and suddenly feel the weight of yourself take on again. You're holding on to... Uh, to Dern, though, keeping him from fleeing or uh, running or doing anything else. Uh, what do you do, Zelnern? Calm down. We gotta kill this last skeleton. Alright, I'll let you attempt a persuasion to get uh, uh, Dern to continue his uh, previous <laughs> arrangement with you. 19 minus 1, 18. Heck yeah. Dern uh, kind of huffs and says, I just didn't quite like being pulled into a pit. It's terrifying! Uh, let go of me, let go of me. Uh, do you let go of uh, Dern as he like yeah. tries to shove you off, but now more just like acquiescing? Um, so still keeping himself seeming strong, uh, you let go of him and turn your attention towards that skeleton on your next turn. Uh, Rubert, what do you do? You see that Dern has, thanks to Zelnern's uh, patient uh, nature, he has won Dern back to your side, but also through forcing Dern into the pit. Uh... <laughs> Gotta finish that skeleton off. Heck yeah. For 18 to hit? 18 to hit's indeed a hit. For uh, 11 slashing damage. You crush into the skeleton's bones. They shatter into bone meal and dust. But the skeleton is not yet dead. It's severely wounded, but not yet destroyed. Jules, do you want to unravel the thread connecting this one? Yes, I will try to... Uh, get rid of this last one. It gets an eight as well. Hey, okay. Roll. Seven to hit. Damage. Seven to hit the uh, or seven damage. The skeleton crumbles to the ground. With the last of the skeletons toppled to the ground, uh, you find yourself. Um, you find yourselves in this murky pit again. With a, it, it seems to be a tall chamber uh, that stretches maybe. Uh, 20 feet overhead with luminescent fungus that sheds violet light clinging to the walls and looking like a speckled star pattern across the sky. In fact, some of you might even notice that there are some like constellations formed within these uh, this fungus. Uh, the water around you, it seems to be almost like a small, or like the, the muddy room around you seems to be like an estuary, almost like a, uh, like a mangrove garden, or like the kind of place you'd expect to find a mangrove uh, growing in the water only it is murky and rotten and full of silt and awful. It is terrible soil. And you do notice there are some similar scrub, like shrub brushes to those twig blights you just destroyed growing in here, although they seem much younger and much less developed. 
your feet move through the water as you kind of splash out into it, stumbling on something in the silt. Uh, and when Phil, like when you reach down to grab what it is, you pull it up and you find a shovel. In fact, you find a couple shovels in here. Clearly the tools that those skeletons were using before drawing short swords. Uh, it very quickly becomes apparent to you that this large chamber you found yourself in has been converted or was originally intended as a underground garden uh, for growing well you can assume those twig blights looking around the room though before you have really much time to engage in anything but you kind of step out into the room and find these shovels and look around um, you do notice that there is a few doors leading out of it there's a door on the uh, south side leading out of this chamber there is a door on the east side leading out of this chamber uh, above which in uh, uh, large uh, runes it says uh, the like the eastern door in like sorry not runes in uh, like that same goblin scratching although with a bit more elegance to it uh, Jules confirms it reads laboratory this way and uh the southern door reads stay out no goblins allowed however what draws your attention most is neither the laboratory door uh or the no goblins stay out door what draws your attention is the large fissure in the northern side of this room a large like gap that leads into a much larger cave beyond uh, it draws your attention because you can hear the sound of water trickling in there, the sound of the tide beginning to fill this cave. But the main reason it draws your attention is the uh, sound of things sloshing in the darkness, and then the sight of a uh, of a fur-covered goblin standing maybe seven feet tall, stepping out from the uh, yeah, stepping out from that uh, cavern flanked by a pair of large crocodiles. And as the bugbear, uh, undoubtedly Balsag, the hunting or the uh, animal master lieutenant of Derns, steps into view, you hear his voice snur uh, snarl out, What we got going in here? Oh, grip! Fang! We got ourselves some gumbo meat! And you hear him <laughs> snarl that towards you. Dern holds up his hand, trying to say, Balsog, no, not, not these. We've got a plan with these. And you hear Balsog, the bugbear, immediately snarl out, Ain't got no plan for them but gumbo! Come on, Fang, grip! And as he says Fang and grip, he points to his uh, neighboring gators, Sick em! And the two gators start moving. Uh, they start moving towards you, and let me throw them into initiative order real quick. No, that's all right. <laughs> I'm good. So these are like full-sized real gators, or are they like... Full-sized real gators. <laughs> like what? four-legged what or two-legged? They're not like humanoid gator gator boys. They're like... They're, they're true gators. True gators? <laughs> or maybe crocodiles. Okay. No, uh, real crocodiles. As far as you can tell, they're not were crocodiles. I, I don't know what a were crocodile would be, but I want it. I don't know either, but that does sound very cool. I have a shell specifically made to stop this. Specifically <laughs> for gators. For gators. 
specifically for gators. I thought it was about birds. Uh, let's see, and we were just on Jules' turn. So, Phil, uh, you look up to see as Fang, Grip, and Balsog have just entered in here. He has loudly declared his intention to make you all into gumbo meat, and it seems that even his commander, Dern, telling him, no, I have a deal with these guys, has not stopped his interest in making you into gumbo. Um, what do you do, Phil? Oh God! Uh, I'm gonna like center myself in the party, and I'm gonna let my protector cannon go off one more time. Uh, All right, it ricochets out, and that can affect how many people? Let me see. Is anyone within ten feet of the turret? One d eight plus. Oh God! The last two times I rolled a one d ten, I'm embarrassed. One d eight temporary hit points yeah. to each creature of your choice within ten feet. It doesn't have a limit. That is crazy good. Yeah. So. Um, that's a five on that one. Wow. All right. So everyone, your temp HP is replaced with five temp HP. Um, actually, sorry, it's 12 or five, whichever is greater, because you can choose to ignore the new source of it. Oh, you can. Okay. Um, I guess I'm even going to ignore it too. Uh, And then I'm going to point my, my gun and be like, Dern, talk some sense into him, but I'm still going to shoot, um, one of the gators. (laughs) All right. Um, you shoot the gator, make an attack roll. Who do you want to shoot? Fang on his left or Grip on his right? Grip on his right, please. It's going to be a ray of frostbane. It's going to hit 16 to AC. All right, uh, you hit... Uh, God, I don't even... I, I wasn't even trying to affect that accent there. Uh, you, uh, <laughs> you shoot, it's at 16 to AC. The yeah. ray of frost chills into Fang. Uh, roll your damage. Yeehaw! <laughs> Seven damage. Uh, Fang is chilled out, but not deterred from his desire to eat you and add you to the gumbo pot. Um, are you finished, Phil, or do you retreat back against the wall? Because you've all found yourself in the middle of the chamber now. Yeah, I'm going to kind of be frontline, trying to suck some damage a little bit here. So you step forward, making sure you're next to people. Celeste, what do you do? Mm, This is inconvenient. Um, I am trying to step to the side, so no one's in 15-foot radius of me. I guess I right. step closer, right? And then, um... Closer to the Fang, stupid... Rip, and Balsog? Yeah, and then all I'm right. gonna cast Thunder Wave. Oh, heck yeah. And they're all clustered up because they just stepped out of that chasm. Make your they booms. Did. Well, you have to take a constitution saving throw. Alright, we're gonna start with uh, the bugbear Balsag. Uh, he gets a 12. Meanwhile, Fang and Grip, they get... A 14 and a 16, respectively. What's your uh, what's your DC? Uh, eight plus your wisdom plus your proficiency. 15. Wait. 15. Probably 13. Three, it's 13. Yeah, that's what I said. Was 13. Okay. All right. Oh, I didn't 13. hear you. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So Balsog failed, but Fang and Grip succeed. Okay. Uh, so then it's let me just double check the damage. Okay. 2d8. 10 damage. 10 damage? Yeah. All right. Uh, so Balsag takes the full brunt of the 10, and he goes flying back into the cavern, uh, toppling behind Fang and Grip. However, Fang and Grip only take half of the damage. You see that Fang is weakened. Grip, however, is doing just fine. Uh, Fang is weakened and chilled. And Balsag's gone soaring back. You hear a, a heavy thud as he hits the wall. Uh, and then if you're finished, Celeste? Do I have enough movement, do you think, to like step back? <laughs> You can take a few feet back, but you doubt you have the ability to get out of uh, Balsag's uh, reach. Okay, (laughs) that's too bad. 
And speaking of which, uh, Balsag uh, slumps himself off the wall and says, Oh, that hurt! I'm coming for you! Put you in the gumbo first! And he comes charging at you, uh, right up to you, uh, Celeste. And as he comes crashing in, you see he is a hulking brute. Wielding a great oh, Morningstar, he roars, and he crashes into you with such a strength for uh, critical. Ah! Uh, he scratches into you with such a strength for this is going to be 4d8 plus 2 piercing yeah. damage as he uh, gets you tendered up for the uh, the gumbo. For the gumbo. So you're taking 5 plus 11, 16, uh, 18 piercing damage. This is Morningstar crushes into you. All of the temp HP Phil gave you is uh, obliterated and then you are probably pretty hurt after that. Fortunately, you're no longer the uh, first levels you used to be, but still. Ain't great. <laughs> Ain't a great thing. Alright. Alright, and then if you're uh, finished, Balsag Fang comes shuffling forward, uh, trying to add people to the gumbo pot. Now, Fang has been uh, slowed, making it to where his, uh, his speed is reduced by 10 feet. That was actually a remarkably good use, uh, Phil, because he's, you know, you put yourself at front line. Celeste intentionally stepped back, so he can't go and finish off Celeste. Instead, Fang has to go for either Phil or Dern. Um, Dern, who was also standing up there next to Phil, unfortunately, Fang has no interest in eating Dern because Dern ain't human meat. That ain't good. So the crocodile comes moving forward towards Phil, and with its jaws open wide, it snaps down at you, Phil, for 23 to hit. To hit. Oh, and a 10 piercing damage that bites down onto you. The, uh, the artificery, like, shields that were built up shatter beneath that, or are severely damaged when I say shattered. And, uh, then Dern. Uh, Dern shouts... Uh, Balsag, you need to stop this. They're going to help us. Uh, I've got to deal with them. And then uh, Balsag shouts, I'm going to use them for combo. And it's clear <laughs> that Dern can't get Balsag to stand down. So instead, Dern uh, takes up his sword and deftly strikes, strikes Fang on the head. Uh, his blade cuts down into uh, Fang, or I guess the hilt of it smacks onto the crocodile Fang for 20 to hit. Uh, and as it easily hits then he deals a, a significant amount of damage at a d10 plus 2d6. So he ends up dealing 13 damage to Fang, knocking the crocodile out cold. Uh, the crocodile is knocked out cold, and uh, Meepo screams in terror because he was next on the crocodile's to eat plate. Uh, but he's not cro- human. The crocodile ain't dead, but uh, it is wound or it is unconscious. Zell Nern, what do you do? Your uh, barbarian rage has ended. Um, because it was only last a minute, right? Yeah. Yeah. So your barbarian rage has ended. You see that there is Balsag actively trying to crush Celeste with his Morning Star, and uh, far at the end of the room is like still emerging from the cavern is Grip, the other crocodile. You could reach either Balsag or Grip. Going to Balsag. All right, you run towards Balsag the bugbear. Oh, that feels like that feels good in the mouth. Balsag <laughs> the bugbear. Um, you rush Balsag towards Balsag the bugbear. Just feels good. It's got a good a full mouth feel. You rush towards Bulls Bullsag. Balsag the Bulk <laughs> Oh god, I've ruined it for myself. You rush towards the master of the hunt, the gumbo king, and uh moving yourself next to him, you crush into this this uh chef of the ocean, and uh you smash yourself into him uh using your axe. You're gonna feel like gumbo when I'm done with you. 
Oh, Jesus. Um, 20 to hit. 20 to hit's indeed a hit. You Four, smash into 14 him. damage. 14 damage. He stumbles back, not slain, but incredibly wounded. Guys, please don't kill him. We need a cook. I just realized oh. it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm all done. Smash into him. He's not dead, but severely wounded and definitely not focused on Celeste anymore. Rubert, what do you do? Uh, you're maybe uh, 20. Like, you were the farthest away from everyone investigating something. You're within movement distance of Balsag, and you could probably get your way to grip. Um, I'm actually going to stand next to Jules and <clears throat> pull out my father's gold dagger from my hip. All right. And then I'm going to like look like I'm throwing the knife towards the other crocodile, mm-hmm. but like a spectral dagger flies out from it and then like flips towards the crocodile, pierces itself like underneath the crocodile and then explodes in a cloud of daggers. Heck yeah. And what does cloud of daggers do? Um da-da-da-da. Uh, a creature takes 44 slashing damage when it enters the spell's area for the first time or starts its turn there. There is no save. That's really good. Okay, so it is surrounded in a cloud of stabbing, cutting dagger. And then bonus action, um, I'll give Celeste Bardic Inspiration. Celeste, you are inspired by that demonstration. And then if you are finished, uh, Rubert, Grip uh, starts his turn, and so he takes damage at the start of his turn? Yes. So All right. Takes four, five, eight, uh, eleven piercing damage from the clouds of daggers just like flying Yikes. around and slashing at his crocodile skin. Uh, Grip charges forward. Uh, most crocodiles would flee at this point, but he is uh, trained to listen to Balsag. So when Balsag yells, Get this turtle! We're gonna make it into turtle stew! Uh, uh, Grip comes barreling forward out of the cloud of daggers that just nearly destroyed him, or uh, nearly slew him, and does cloud of daggers is a uh, 10 foot radius, right? Uh, no, it's a 5 foot five cube. Foot radius. Okay, so uh, Grip has managed to escape that 5 foot cube, but that was still a tremendous amount of damage and makes it to where they can't retreat back into their little cavern due to the slashing aura of daggers that would kill any one of them. So you've blocked their retreat. Grip charges forward and snaps his teeth down onto Zelnern. Zelnern, the crocodile's teeth close around you for 16 to hit. Miss, I they told you. Still a croc. <laughs> They scrape uselessly against your <laughs> shell. And Jules, what do you do? Uh, looking at the crocodile that just got injured by the daggers, I'm going to try to uh, exacerbate the situation a little bit as a, as a bell tolls, hopefully, for the final time for this croc. All right, and what's the DC on that? 13 wisdom. Well, I rolled an 8. Wow, I'm rolling a lot of 8s for Yoris. Uh, you drag grip into, or, yeah, grip to the grave. Eight damage. Grip lets out a crocodilian moan and topples over, curling up on the ground and uh, almost barking, and then dies there on the ground. Balsog looks down and says, No, Grip! Grip, they killed my boy! And uh, Balsag is furious. Um... It is then, uh, Phil, what do you do? Uh, Balsag is furious. There's an unconscious crocodile at your feet and a dead one piled up right behind it. Balsag looks incredibly wounded, but looks angry. And now that Grip is dead, there's no chance of him ever teaming up with you all. You killed his boy. Is there any scenario where I could uh, push 
Balsog into the Cloud of Daggers? Yeah. Uh, it, he's actually, sorry, Balsog's a good 15 feet away from it, so it'd take a bunch of shoves to make it happen. Uh, he's okay. not really close to it at all. Okay, then maybe not. Uh, I'll refresh the Protector Cannon for starters. All right, everyone well, gets I some think. dope magic. Uh, not that dope. Five temp HP. Hey, that's helpful for people like Celeste who lost all their temp HP. And then um, I had a question about when you cast spells, when it comes to like noises, do I get to decide what it sounds like? Do your spells uh, just... For the most part, I'd say. You can't choose to make it silent if it has a verbal component, but otherwise, for the most part, I'd say you could decide the sound. Oh, uh, just for fun, I wanted it to sound like it was like being shot like a suppressor or something. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to cast another Ray of Frost on Balsack. All right, uh, Balsag uh, roars out as the attack, or the Ray of Frost strikes against him. Make the attack roll. Uh, 23 to hit. It's like... That's a hit. Uh, roll damage on Balsag. It is two damage. Two damage. Balsag is remarkably still alive. How did this book name him Balsag? Uh, <laughs> he is remarkably still alive, although he is teetering on the edge. Any damage more to him will clearly kill him. Uh, Celeste, what do you do? I'm going to try to move to the other side of him, so I'm a little away from Zelnern. Okay. And then um, cat, uh, kind of be like, stop trying to eat us, and then cast Thunderwave at second level. Oh, wow. All right. You see, you position yourself such that it won't hit Zelnurn is basically the goal. Yeah. Uh, and then you cast out the Thunder Wave. It explodes forward. Balsag screams as he is deafened. Uh, he fails to hold his ground because I got a four. Uh, and uh, also the... Uh, yeah, so he fails to hold his ground. He gets four. So roll damage against him. 14. Uh, Balsag is thrown back into that cloud of daggers, uh, already slain probably by the 14 damage, but is thrown back 15 feet into that cloud of daggers where, uh, how much damage does he take from that, Rubear? Um, uh, right now, uh, another seven. Uh, Balsag is shredded to absolute pieces. It's an outright kill at that point. Uh, there's yeah, no so hope of even... clapped back and then just <laughs> turns throw... into viscera in the yeah. midst. Yeah, there's no hope of even stabilizing him because that made it <laughs> enough damage to outright kill. Uh, and Balsag is dead. Uh, with Balsag dead, uh, uh, Grip is dead as well, and Fang uh, is unconscious uh, but there is no uh, current threats. Was Fang not in that radius? To, maybe I thought I placed myself in that range, but uh, I, there, there I think I was the, too far away. There wouldn't have been the ability to not hit Zelnern and to hit uh, Balsag and Fang. Uh, the okay. way they were kind of clustered together is you're in the midst of chaos of combat. Um, you would have, and since they were all basically next to each other, you would have hit at least two of them. Okay, that's fair. And since the uh, alligator Fang is unconscious on the ground. You gain no benefit by choosing to have it killed it there. Um, so, with no more threats active, uh, the cloud of daggers quickly uh, fades away. And I imagine, Rubert, yeah, you oh, go and... Yeah, like the, the daggers, like, kind of pull towards me as, like, the, the the blade of the golden dagger doesn't exist. But, like, the blades, as I pull them back, rematerializes into the blade as I sheath it. All right. So, uh, with uh, Balsag slain... Uh, Dern approaches his body and looking down at him uh, says like a something quietly in uh, in 
yeah, says something quietly in Goblin to uh, Balsag's corpse, or what's left of it. Uh, Jules, you still have your Comprehend Languages active, and uh, you can tell he is saying a small prayer, uh, wishing that uh, Magubliet would will guide Balsag from these dread lands and find him once more in a, re- in a pillaging hall. Um, and uh, then uh, Dern returns back to you and says, oh, There you have it. I've proven myself as a helper of you by betraying my lieutenant. Sorry. He, surprised, he attacked us with crocodiles. I don't know if you betrayed him because he was still going to still gonna not listen to you. It takes two mutinies to join the aristocrats. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about your friend. Yes, it is unfortunate the Gumbo King could not be reasoned with. Uh, Dern makes a comment. He made a fine gumbo. Uh, and approaches the uh, door labeled laboratory this way. Uh, he approaches that door and says, Belak always has the goblins coming through this way. He always says no goblins can go through that way. And he points to the southern door labeled something along the lines of absolutely no goblins keep out. Uh, and Dern says, I don't know what's down there, but I know that Belak never has the goblins go that way to get this panacea. So if you need the panacea, and he points once more to the laboratory door, it's through here. Well, we're no goblins, though. I'm kind of intrigued what's behind the no goblin door. <laughs> I'm pretty curious, too. Uh, it seems like there might be something interesting back there. Is it all right if we take a peek, though? Just a real quick? I mean, uh, Dern says he's not risking himself for it, but if you want to... Be, uh, be his guest. And when it says no goblins, you as a hobgoblin, does that count for you as well? <laughs> uh, he looks offended by the notion of you coupling the great hobgoblins uh, uh, with, of Azent with uh, the lowly Batiri goblins that pillage these uh, things. He looks like he's about to start talking about the grand cultural achievements of the <laughs> hobgoblins of Azent, but then realizes that you're just making fun of him and decides not to. I'm going to go listen at the non-hobgoblin's door. See no, non, non-goblin door. Not non-goblin <laughs> door. See if All I right. Tell what's beyond. Yeah, make a perception check. Okay. Not great at this. Got some water in my ears. 12. Uh, you listen through it, and it's a down here. They are all deep, strong, sturdy stone doors. Uh, listening at it, you can hear literally nothing, but it is cold to the touch. Cold. What's the harm in opening it? Hmm? Are you going laboratory door, goblin door? What's the call? We might as well find out what's behind the non-goblin door number two. Let's see what's behind door number two. Yeah, I'm with you, Captain, but hold on one second. <laughs> and I pull a rope from my pack. Have you guys ever seen people like do competition hog tying? <laughs> oh, all the hey. time. <laughs> I go on top of rope tied around me. <laughs> oh. I look at Zellner and I'm like, all right. I don't really care about that rope. Just, uh, just cue me in. Say ready. Just, all right, and then I immediately start hog tying the knocked out crocodile on the ground. <laughs> oh, I wanted that thing to wake up and eat you on your way out. All right, you hog tie up a fang on the Tied. ground. Croc tying. Oh, sorry, croc tie fang <laughs> on the ground. Uh, and uh, it's difficult because it's, you know, 
a giant crocodile. But uh, he successfully managed to tie it up. Uh, meanwhile, Zelner in time, time. Oh, um, you weren't keeping time, were you? He wasn't keeping time. It's Zelner, and of course he doesn't keep time. <laughs> So you find yourself before the no goblins door. Uh, who would like to open the no goblins door? Oh well, Robert, of course. Robert, you pull the door open, and it it seems almost stuck on its hinges. It's clear no one wants to open this door, and it takes a good few shoves. You might even need to bring Zelnern over, but the door bursts open finally, and. Uh, the long hallway beyond makes it clear why no goblins are allowed in here and why this door isn't open. Uh, a rift, uh, you see a hallway stretches out maybe um, 40 or 30 feet before you. Yeah, a hallway stretches out about 40 feet before you to the edge of your torchlight as you follow it down uh, when suddenly a massive rift in the ground opens up. Uh, the rift is full of churning seawater that seems to be rushing in, clearly a way that the tide is uh, working its way in. Uh, you can see that uh, it's basically a yeah, like a hole in the ground, a basically a channel of water that goes to untold depths deep, as you are already 80 feet beneath the ground, beneath sea level, so who knows how deep this underwater chasm goes. But the uh, rift has been torn open, and no phosphorescent fungus grows in the rift. The corridor, however, continues past the rift before you. As you look across, you see it's basically you have the rift, uh, you had your corridor was 40 feet down, and then you have a rift. And if you look strangely to the, uh, or you have this rift or this, this basically water flow tearing through, you look maybe uh, 10 feet to the right and 15 feet across the rift, and you can see where the tunnel was meant to continue. Basically, the whole tunnel, when whatever earthquake, the Everstorm, struck this place, the whole uh, tunnel, from when this rift was opened, the whole tunnel was shifted slightly to the side so where was meant to be a passage that just continued straight down instead has a 15 foot gap across in it and also it needs you to hop basically 15 feet to the right so you've got like a good like Pythagoras theorem 25 feet or something like that uh to cross of rift to actually get to the far side um and uh better yet what's your passive perception Rubert? Yeah. Uh, 13. 13. Oh, right. This group's highest is 14, right? For now. 15. All right. 15. Oh, 15. Uh, Celeste, you spot that something churns in the water. Something moves against the grain of the uh, tide as it trick as it rushes out or and rushes in. Something seems to be alive in the water. Not many small somethings, but one large something. So any attempt to cross this gap would clearly draw the attention of whatever lurks inside this chasm. Well, I was going to suggest someone swim across, but that seems... Mm, eh, no. Not uh, ideal. No. <laughs> All right, perhaps let's check out the laboratory, and maybe there's something in there that will help us get across. Is it just water in the channel, or is it um, on the sides as well? Uh, the ground is also water, uh, like the because you're you remember, you're underwater this whole place. So as you step out, there's also water kind of sloshing beneath your feet, uh, and you can feel a little bit of an undertow pulling at your toes. It's nowhere near deep enough here. Maybe during high tide it gets worse, uh, but it, so it's just like a little bit of like 
that feeling of when the tide's rushing out beneath your feet as it pulls away from you and down into that chasm where it rushes. And it, mind you, the when I say chasm, I more mean it's a deep ravine, but it's so full of water, it basically is just a rushing channel of water in front of you. Um, and with you'd have to cross 15 feet to get to the other tunnel. All right, it's uh, 25 feet. As we, I guess as we're about to turn around, I kind of noticed that on top of feeling the weird like necromancy energy i can also kind of like sense the water in a way i didn't used to be able to and i kind of reach out and i notice that i can start freezing the water and i try to freeze a little bridge across the gap with shape, shape water. water yeah yeah, uh, so you start uh, casting shape water, and actually, yeah, so it does three effects, right? Yeah, and five foot cube, three active effects. Yes, it does. Oh no, two active effects. Um, so you realize you could actually successfully freeze enough of the chasm or of the water that it makes sure there'd still have to be a bit of a jump at the end, but you actually could make it to where y'all have a little path across. That's super cool. Hmm. I think we can build You'd still so you'd basically you'd have to make uh, two jumps that are about five feet across each, and you are landing on ice on one of them. Actually, can I? So it's water that fits within a five foot cube. Could I make it like a narrower bridge? Uh, it's not five foot of volume. It's uh, it has to fit in geometric like space of five cube. Choose so. an area of water that you can see that fits it's, within it's, five. Okay. Area, not volume of water, so it's still bound within that five foot cube space. Or else that would be freeze most of a lake, the top layer of an entire lake. Well, I mean, I'm willing to try. <laughs> Someone gonna stay with that? Uh, Dern's not gonna rat us out. You're cool, right, Dern? <laughs> You're cool now, right? Uh, Dern says, I'm not going in there. If you want to go in there, you can die in there on your own. All right, whatever. <laughs> Anyone feeling adventurous? Always. I want to. Yeah, I want to go. This sounds fun. Yeah, All I right. mean, if this is uh, this is where the stars are taking us, might as well. I mean, what do the stars say? If they let us here, might as well go in, right? Just fun little fact: if you're taking it as a volume thing, when Shape Water says uh, you can move five foot cube worth of water or an area that fits within five foot cube. If you were trying to make an inch thick effect, you could do a full, what mile and a half long inches of uh, water would freeze instantly. Dang. Yeah. Which is, I think how I assume they didn't intend it to be. Yeah. So, Cause it's, there's, there's 8,640 cubic inches in five cubic feet. So you could do an inch cube for a mile and a half. Well, I'm asking order. Jeremy Crawford. Yeah, we're taking this to Twitter. <laughs> uh, I think it's Jeremy Crawford. We don't want to copyright. Uh, yeah, copyright names are not copyright. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm not a lawyer, and I don't want to take risks. Uh, cool. So uh, you all decide that this is probably the interesting way. The part that the water has been rushed out, where Celeste knows there's something in the water. It's clearly not been traversed in a while, and it's not where Dern told you to go, nor where Balsog came from. It was marked with goblins, stay out. And to your pirate eyes, all of this meant, yeah, that's the way worth going. Uh, what so, if they were trying to save goblin lives? All right. Uh, uh, Meepo it, crawls along the ground, asking if cool. you want. 
All right. What, uh, sorry, what, me- what was to, that? Uh, uh, what was that to Meepo? Meepo asks if he should come as well, or do you want Meepo to stay behind? Meepo, you're a part of the crew. Of course you're coming. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, Meepo cries along the ground, uh, wondering if he has the uh, athletic discipline to be able to uh, make it. Meepo, walk on your two feet. Come on. Don't crawl like that. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Meepo cowers. Zelnern, uh, you sort of... Uh, Wait, back. Actually, I need everyone to uh, roll initiative because it's gonna time's gonna matter here because you're trying to jump across this chasm and somebody might fall and get swept away by the water and would never be seen again. Oh, I got nineteen. Why did you say that like it was a bad thing? I don't want to go first. All right, so Celeste got a nineteen. Zelnern, what we get for you? You can wait if you want. Wow, I got an eleven. Eleven, nice, Rubert. Uh, I crit missed. <laughs> I got a four. Even with your uh, half proficiency? Oh, an initiative. Sorry, five. Mm, there you go. Uh, Jules, what are we getting? Eight. Eight. All right, and Phil, what are you getting? Twelve. Twelve, and uh, all right, Meepo stays back at his initiative of one. All right, so in turn order is going to be Celeste, Phil, Zelnern, Jules, Rubert, and Meepo. Uh, Celeste, Rubert said he's going to go first, so you can just defer to him basically around yeah. if everyone wants to. Yeah, that works for me. Yeah. All right, uh, everyone defers for Rubert. Rubert, you're able to go first. Uh, now, it isn't right. an easy jump, so it's probably within your... Uh, it's a five-foot distance that you have to clear. Uh, so your strength score, no one knows the jumping rules in uh, D&D, or it's the one thing I can't follow mentally. Um, I believe if you're getting a running start to it, which you can get for the first jump, but not the second jump, uh, it is... Your long jump is a number of feet. Uh, you can jump your strength score in feet. So as long as you can... Uh, and you can do half of that if you're doing from a standing spot. So as long as your strength score is at least 10, this shouldn't be an issue for anyone. The only real issue is landing on the second square of ice that uh, that uh, Jules froze is going to require a DC 5 dex save. Well, it's funny that you say if your strength score is at least 10, because my strength score is 9. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, then you're going to have to make an athletics check. It's only an extra one foot, uh, but you're going to... So basically, you can make the first jump. The second jump is going to require a DC 10 athletic strength athletics. Okay. All right, so, Rubert, you run, and uh, so first you're going to have to, like, as you run, you reach the uh, first uh, brick of ice, giving you the extra distance, and then you jump from it to the second brick of ice. I need a DC 10, or sorry, DC 5 dexterity saving throw to see if you land it or if you slide off the ice into the salt water and disappear. Oh, dex save I got, I think, 22, uh, 23. <laughs> Wonderful. Rubert, you managed to land on the, uh, on the brick of ice and get ready to jump. And uh, I need that strength athletics check from you as you go to jump across. All right, big money, no whammies. <laughs> athletics. <clears throat> That's going to be a five for your boy. 
you slip from the uh, you slip from the ice and you feel yourself falling. You're not going to make it. And then you realize you must have jumped so much better than you thought because you're basically flying through the air. Oh, and then it dawns I on you it. that that's because there's a tentacle wrapped around you from the giant octopus that was lurking in the uh, water. And the giant octopus's tentacle reaches out, grabbing you and holding you in the air. Hey there, Chaotic Normies. It's me, your friend Ryan, who plays Rubert Gracehand on Chaotic Normal The Shattered Isles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and review and share with all of your friends, please. And you know you know what? Let's not let's not stop at just your friends. How about we share with your enemies? Um, maybe check in on that old favorite teacher of yours and say, Hey, you are a, a nerd, right? You're a normie. Check 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 this stuff out. Yeah, if you could just pass this along to anyone you think might enjoy it, that would go a long way for um, for me, and I know all of us would appreciate it. Uh, the feedback I've received has been super awesome, and I love hearing from anyone that's enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, stay tuned next week to find out what happens to Rubert in the clutches of the giant octopus. Uh, but until then, bye bye Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.